All right. I want you to notice verse 5 of Philippians chapter 2. This is probably one of my favorite passages in the Bible. It says, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not at robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men and being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. And I think it's appropriate that as we go into the Christmas season that we remember why he came to this earth. The whole point of him being born was so he could die. He had to come and be payment for our sins and I want to talk this morning about the death of the cross. I want to talk about the death of Jesus Christ. And, you know, death is kind of a complicated thing, theologically speaking, in the Bible, because the word death or dead, it's used in many different ways. And as theologians, you know, we like to be able to try to uh, have clear rules about how to interpret certain words. And uh, those rules that we come up with, you know, we want to be consistent and we want them to always uh you know, make our interpretation right of literally any scripture. But the truth is there's no way to create a clear set of rules for the word dead or death because it is used in so many ways in the Bible. Turn over to, to um, John chapter 11. We'll see an example there in just a minute. But understand death sometimes is just speaking physically. In do, uh, Genesis 25, 8, it says, Then Abraham gave up the ghost <clears throat> and died in a good old age, an old man and full of years, and was gathered to his people. So Abraham died. Do we believe the Bible when it said Abraham died there? He died, didn't he? He died. He gave up the ghost. I believe that. It says in Romans 7, 9, though, sometimes it's just talking about a spiritual death. Paul's speaking. He says, For I was alive without the law once, but when the commandment came, sin revived, and I died. And I believe what Paul's talking about there is I think there's a moment in, all, in every one of our lives, we're born sinners. When we come into this world, we are sinners from birth. But there comes a place in our life where we have that knowledge of good and evil, and we all choose sin, just like our father Adam did. And when that happens, and I don't know when that is for all of us, I don't even know when it was for me, but when that happened, sin revived, and I died. But was Paul, did Paul come back from the dead? Well, actually he did, spiritually, because he got saved. And he talked about that in Ephesians 2, and you had the quickened who are dead in trespasses and sins. But when he said, I died here, he was speaking spiritually, not physically. We see in Matthew 20, or in Romans 6, 23, I think it's talking about both, where it says, for the wages of sin is death. I believe that's talking physically and spiritually, because... We're all going to die physically, aren't we? You know why? Because this body is still sinful. Even though I'm saved, I still have a sinful body, and it will die one of these days. But at the same time, the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord, so I'm never going to die spiritually, am I? Because I, ha I have eternal life. So, But I believe, though, that wages of sin, because of my sin, had it not been for the gift of eternal life, I would have physically died, and I would have stayed spiritually dead, and I would have gone to hell. I think we would all agree with that in Romans 6.23. But then, sometimes the word seems to conflict with other places. In Matthew 22.31, says, But as touching the resurrection of the dead, have you not read that which was spoken unto you by God, saying, I am the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob? God is not the God of the dead, but of the living. 
Wait a minute, why did Jesus say that Abraham's not dead here when Genesis said Abraham died? You know why? Because it's talking about two different things. Physically, Abraham was dead, but spiritually, Abraham was alive and with the Lord in heaven. And that's why God was able to say in Moses' day, when Abraham was physically dead, I am the God of Abraham. Because And so... We see there's you can't there's not just one way to use that word dead. Now let's look at John 11 and look at several verses in here and show how it's used in a bunch of ways in a bunch of contexts. It says in verse one, now a certain man was sick named Lazarus of Bethany, the town of Mary and her sister Martha. It was that Mary which anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was sick. Therefore a sister sent unto him saying, Lord, behold, he whom thou lovest is sick. When Jesus heard that, he said. This sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God might be glorified thereby. So Jesus said this sickness isn't unto death, but don't didn't Lazarus die? I mean, Lazarus was dead for four days, folks. So was Jesus wrong here when he said this sickness is not unto death? But I believe he said this because of the fact that sometimes when we talk about death, it's just as a final thing. That's it. And even though Lazarus did in fact die, Jesus knew he wasn't going to stay dead. So he kind of used death in a, in a different way here. We see in verse um, 10, we'll jump down there. It says, but if a man walk in the night, he stumbleth because there is no light in him. These things said he after he saith unto them, our friend Lazarus sleepeth, but I go that I may awake him out of his sleep. And now, often when the Bible talks about death, it uses the word sleep, but it uses that because of the fact that they are dead, but they're not going to stay dead. That's something we see in the Bible. For example, 1 Thessalonians 4. But I would not have you be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep, that you sorrow not, even as others which have no hope. Paul called the dead in Christ asleep because of the fact they were dead, but they were going to arise one of these days. And so he used that term sleep. And so there's different ways you can use that same word. Okay. For example, I was at a funeral one time and there was a little boy there at the funeral whose mom was dead and he saw his mom in the casket and thought she was sleeping. You know, I wouldn't go to that little boy and say, it's okay, your mom's sleeping because then I'm kind of telling him in his mind, she's going to wake up real soon and go home with him that night. But the truth is she's dead. But at the same time, it would be okay. So I wouldn't say that to a little child who might not understand that, but I would say that, let's say, at a funeral of a believer when we're surrounded by other believers. Because we're using, we say that term sleep because we have the hope that they're not going to stay dead, that they're going to rise from the dead one of these days. But if I said they were dead, I'm not wrong either, am I? But if I say they're alive too and with the Lord in heaven, I'm not wrong either. You see how there's a lot of different ways you can say all these things? So you can't always just look for like one definition and then expect the Bible to just fit that in every case. We see in many examples. We see um, in verse 12, after Jesus tells me sleeping, then said his disciples, if he sleep, he shall do well. They didn't, they were thinking a different sleep than what Jesus was talking about. But then it says, how be it Jesus spake of his death. But I thought Jesus said the sickness wasn't unto death. Again, they're using it in a bunch of different ways here. And so it, said, but it says, but they thought he had spoken of taking of rest and sleep. Then said Jesus unto them plainly, Lazarus is dead. 
You know why he said that? Because they weren't getting what he was talking about. And so he's just, let, let me let me speak in your language where you'll understand he's dead. Just real plainly. Then And then so verse 21 says, Then said Martha unto Jesus, Lord, if thou hast been here, my brother had not died. But I know that even now whatsoever thou wilt ask of God, he will give it thee. Jesus saith unto her, thy brother shall rise again. Why is he going to rise again? Because he was dead. He was literally dead. But then Jesus says in verse 25, Jesus saith unto her, I am the resurrection and life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die. Believest thou this? Folks, don't try to tell me that death always means the same thing. It's being used in a lot of different ways here. And we get it, all right? We understand this, but this is what you have to do anytime you see death in the Bible and the word dying, dead, whatever. You have to take it into context and look at what it is talking about. It's important that we do this. For example, I can make two statements right here that sound conflicting, but they're both true. For example, this is a true statement. If the Lord tarries is coming one of these days, I will die. That's a true saying, isn't it? But you know what else I can say? I will never die. I'll never die. You know, but physically, yes. But the thing is, me, Tommy McMurtry, this soul, this consciousness that I have, when it dies physically, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. I have eternal life. So do you understand how all these sayings are all true? All these statements are true. So whenever we're looking at death in the Bible, it's important that we look at context and exactly what it's talking about. And so when we talk about the death of Christ, okay, there are, there's really probably three schools of thought out there, mainly two when it comes to the death of Christ. Some people believe that Jesus died the death of a sinner and suffered the pains of hell for three days. Okay, that's what I believe. And then there's another school of thought that Jesus died the death of a saint and was in paradise for three days. Now, I struggle with that. I've talked a lot about the Abraham's bosom doctrine. I'm not going to talk about that today. But in Matthew chapter 27 and verse 45, it says, Now from the sixth hour there was darkness over all the land unto the ninth hour. This is when Jesus is hanging on the cross. This is when he who knew no sin became sin for us. There's darkness. God turns his back. He cannot even look on his own son hanging there in that condition and it says in verse 46, And about the ninth hour, Jesus cried with a loud voice, saying, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani. That is to say, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Folks, God could not even look upon the death of his son. You know why? Because the de that death of the cross, it was a horrible death that we can't even imagine. And we can't even imagine what it had been like for a holy God seeing his son taking sin on himself like that and suffering that we can't we can't comprehend these things we can't comprehend what it was like for jesus to bear the weight of sin but folks let me tell you something there was nothing precious in the eyes of god about this death he couldn't even look at it yet in psalms 116 verse uh, 15 it says precious in the sight of the lord is the death of his saints so there is a difference between the death of a sinner and the death of a saint. I believe Jesus Christ died the death of a sinner because of the fact he was took my sins on the cross. He paid my wage on the cross. And I and this was something clearly that was not precious in the sight of God, where the death of the saint is precious 
in the sight of God. It is, it, it's a different thing. But then I guess there's a third, uh, school of thought, uh, out there, and that's that Jesus died and went to hell, but it didn't hurt him. Um, Peter Ruckman in his Ruckman Reference Bible, he talked about how Jesus went through hell. And, uh, and there's a lot of different weird variations out there. I'm not going to go into all of those, but, uh, at the same time, when you teach that Jesus died the death of a sinner and suffered the pains of hell for three days, uh, it typically, uh, gets accusations thrown at you. People start saying really weird things. And I, and I think that's very frustrating when this happens, but it, it happens. And so whenever people start throwing these questions, you know, for example, they'll say that, you know, how dare people get offended that you think Jesus suffered in hell? How dare you think Jesus suffered in hell for three days? Well, you know, if I may have, since people are always having these debates against me where I'm not present, I would like to have a debate with them where they're not present, okay? And so I'll let me answer their question, uh, you know, with a question, and that is, is it wrong to think he suffered on the cross? I mean, if you're so offended by that, you should also be offended that he suffered on the cross. You know, is suffering in hell too extreme? of a penalty for Jesus? And if it's not too extreme, if that was too extreme for Jesus, is it not too extreme for the average sinner? Is the average sinner paying a greater price for sin than what Jesus paid on the cross? You know, why would it be extreme for the one who took on the sins of the whole world to suffer? I mean, it it seems to me like it would be worse. You know, is the, so is that average unsaved sinner going to pay a larger price than what Jesus paid? These are questions that, you know, I would like for them to answer. Okay, if they're going to have these debates against me, uh, when they have their next debate against me, uh, where I'm not there to answer while they put all kinds of doctrines in my mouth, words in my mouth, I'd, I'd like to, I'd like to hear them answer these things. But, you know, they say, how dare you say the cross was not enough? You know, you don't think Jesus did enough on the cross. It, this is what they always say, but here's my thing. They don't understand what Jesus did on the cross. They don't understand the death of the cross. And so let me, let's go through some scriptures and talk about this death of the cross. Because folks, this is about as important as it gets. I mean, the cross is everything. The death of Jesus Christ is everything. This is what it's all about. This is what he came for. This is why we have salvation. So you better believe we're, we're interested in these things. We want to look deep in these things and understand as much as we can, as much as what the Bible tells us. But it says in Mark 15, verse 29, it says, and they that passed by railed on him, wagging their heads and saying, Ah, thou that destroyest the temple and buildest it in three days, save thyself and come down from the cross. Likewise, also the chief priests mocking said among themselves with the scribes, He saved others himself, he cannot save. Let Christ, the King of Israel, descend now from the cross that we may see and believe. And they that were crucified with him reviled him. Folks, one thing that we cannot comprehend about the cross is the fact that this is not, this suffering that Jesus is doing on the cross, it's not like the other men that were there on the two sides of him, because those guys, they were hanging on the cross against their will. They couldn't stop it. But Jesus could have stopped it at any time. Jesus could have come down off that cross. Jesus could have called for the legions of angels to take him off that cross. The suffering that he went through, he could have stopped at any time. 
And let me tell you, that man has suffered some great agony. They've suffered some great pain. But you know what? All of us, when we were going through that suffering, if we could have snapped our fingers and stopped it, we just snapped our fingers and stopped it. You know, sometimes we endure great agony just because of our survival instinct. We just want to survive. We want to live. But folks, if we could stop the pain for a second, we would do whatever it took. But Jesus didn't. Understand, No, he said, no man taketh my life. I lay it down. Everything they did to Jesus on the cross, he could have stopped at any, at any time. Folks, we can't even say no to that juicy hamburger when we're on a diet, let alone real pain. And Jesus did that on the cross. We always need to keep in mind, this is the most, one of the most important things you got to understand about the cross. He could have stopped it at any time, and he didn't. He didn't. That's important we understand that. We see in 1 Corinthians 1.18, For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness, but unto us which are saved, it is the power of God. Folks, I would never take anything away from the cross. The cross is everything. I can get up and I can read all the verses about the cross in a dramatic voice like they do when trying to debunk what we teach, things like that. We're not going to do that, but I could do that. Ephesians 2.14 says, For he is our peace, who hath made both one, and hath broken down the middle wall of partition between us, having abolished in his flesh the enmity, even the law of commandments contained in ordinances, for to make himself of twain, one new man, so making peace, and that ye might reconcile both unto God in one body by the cross, having slain the enmity thereby. So much focus and attention is put on the cross, rather so much than hell. And rightfully so. Rightfully and rightfully so, there is a very good reason for that that I'm afraid a lot of people don't understand. Colossians 2.14 says, Blotting out the handwriting of ordinances that was against us, which was contrary to us, and took it out of the way, nailing it to his cross, and having spoiled principalities and powers, he made a show of them openly, triumphing over them in it. Jesus did all this on the cross. It was on the cross that this was done. Hebrews 12, 2 says, Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. So, folks, the most amazing thing about it is that he did he did endure it. He didn't have to. He chose to. At, at any point, he could have stopped it. At any point. He could have gotten out of it, but he didn't. And not only did he he uh, he not stop it, but he was obedient in going to the cross. This was a command that he had from the Father to go to the cross. And so we got to understand too: survival is one of the strongest instincts in man. I mean, we just you know, I mean, we've heard I mean, there's all kinds of stories about just. Incredible things people have done just to survive. We want to hang on to life. It's almost as if there's something, something too. Even lost people have a survival instinct. It's almost like there's something instinctively in us that knows there's something after this life. You think if somebody was just suffering, if, you know, that they would just be fine with just ending things real quick because, you know, then it's, suffering's over, right? But folks, it's like we know it's not over. We know that there's more. And so Jesus Christ, he knew full well what was coming next. And yet he still was obedient to death. Even knowing what was coming next, it's it's an amazing thing that I don't even think that we can comprehend. And so we know that he was he was ordered by God to die and he was 
you know, he was obedient. It says in John 10, 17, therefore doth my father love me because I lay down my life that I may take it again. No man taketh it from me, but I lay it down of myself. I have power to lay it down and I have power to take it again. This commandment have I received of my father. He was commanded by God to do this. That's why he was being obedient. Jesus submitted himself to the will of his father and he was obedient and he went and he died. Nobody took it from him. People ask, you know, how could God die? Well, if God made himself took upon him the form of a servant, if he made himself a little lower than the angels and he let them, then yes, they could kill him and they did. That's exactly what they did. But I'm not worried about him doing it again because Jesus said, it was only a one-time thing that he ever liveth. He, Jesus said he's going to live forevermore, and so he's not going to let anybody take his life again. Nobody's going to. There's no need to. He's already paid for the sins of the world. It will never happen again, and I'm thankful for that. So he was ordered by God to die. He was obedient, and he didn't just suffer and then give up, which is what most of us would have done. He died. And it says in Philippians 2.6, who being in the form of God, thought it not Robert to be equal with God, but made upon himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Wherefore God also hath highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. The only way to salvation is through the name of Jesus Christ. It's not through God the Father. It was Jesus Christ who died on the cross. It was Jesus Christ that made payment for our sin. And so that's why he is the only name that we can get saved by. Jesus Christ, he is it. So the cross is everything. And it is the main focus because Jesus physically suffered. He physically carried our sins on that cross. And it was through physical suffering on the cross that Jesus died. It was the cross that killed him. What they did to him on that cross is not just what made him suffer pain. A lot of people suffer pain and don't die. And it wasn't enough for Jesus to just suffer pain. He had to die too. And he did, in fact, die when he was on that cross. And so understand, it was not his sin that was being paid for on the cross. What went to the cross, it was pure, it was sinless. But when he hung on that cross, our sin came on him. Second Corinthians 5.21 says, For he hath made him to be sin for us, who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. So what's amazing is the same body that carried our sins after being dead for three days, it, he literally rose from the dead, conquering death and hell, so we will never have to go there. It says in Revelation 1.17, And when I saw him, I fell at his feet as dead, and he laid his right hand upon me, saying unto me, Fear not, I am the first and the last. I am he that liveth and was dead, and behold, I am alive forevermore. Amen. And have the keys of hell and of death. Now, where do you think he had to go to get those keys? I think the place to go to get the keys of hell and of death is hell and death. And that's why he said, I am he that was dead. 
But he said, I'm alive forevermore. So I'm not worried about it happening again. Because something more powerful than Jesus would have to come and take him. And it was not anything more powerful that took him before. It was something less powerful. It was something he allowed to take place. And folks, we can't, we can't imagine it. Do you realize that I have the physical strength and ability right now to break my finger? But I don't think I could do it. I don't think you could pay me enough money to just snap my finger backwards. I don't, I don't know if you could pay me enough. There's just something in me so much that hates pain so much that I couldn't do that to myself. We have the physical ability in us to just, with our own body weight, break our leg. But don't ask me to try to do that. I don't think you can get me to do that. And so understand all, all these things that Jesus Christ did. I mean, it's just, it's beyond our comprehension that he was able to do that. It's an amazing thing. So we need to understand that the Bible does say very little about the details of what took place during the three days that Jesus was dead. But there are some details. Look what it says in Acts chapter 2 and verse 23. Acts 2.23 says, Him being delivered by the determinate counsel and foreknowledge of God, ye have taken and by wicked hands crucified and slain, whom God hath raised up, having loosed the pains of death, because it was not possible that he should be holding of it. Okay, now here's what you've got to understand about death. When you die, you no longer have control. It's final. It's over. Your sentence will be served whether you like it or not. Okay, that's something we've got to understand. So one of the main arguments that people bring up to prove Jesus did not die the death of a sinner on the cross is the it is finished argument. Every sermon preached against us has a real dramatic section where they keep yelling it is finished. Okay, I'm going to spare you the theatrics today and I'm not going to imitate it, but every time it happens, this is what people do. Okay, but there's a reason Jesus said it is finished. And this is the reason because what Jesus had to do in his flesh, what he had, what he could have stopped, he completed. Jesus, the caring of sin, that was done on the cross. The payment for sin, that was done on the cross. All of that was done on the cross. I don't tell people Jesus suffered in hell as payment for my sins. I say Jesus died on the cross as payment for our sins. But here's the thing. I believe he actually died. Okay, I believe he actually was dead. The suffering was payment, but when Jesus said it is finished... His, what he had to do was done. The rest was in God's hands. In John 19.30, that's when Jesus therefore had received the vinegar. He said, it is finished. And he bowed his head and gave up the ghost. Now, let me ask you, were these Jesus' final words? Was it is finished his final words? Because if you look in Luke chapter 23, in verse 46, it says, and when Jesus had cried with a loud voice, Now, what did he cry? It doesn't tell us in Luke, but I think based on John, I think it's safe to say what he cried with a loud voice, it is finished. But then it goes on to say, he said, Father, into thy hands I commend my spirit. And having said thus, he gave up the ghost. When Jesus Christ died on the cross, after he finished everything he had to do, his spirit, his life, 
he commended, he gave into the hands of his father, meaning it's up to you now, God. Now it's up to you. I did my part. The rest is up to you. Now, what did God have to do when it came to all of this? Jesus did all the suffering on the cross. Jesus paid for all the sins on the cross. Jesus died. But Bible says in Acts 2.24, God loosed the pains of death because it was not possible he should be holding of it. And then verse 25 says, For David speaketh concerning him, I foresaw the Lord always before my face, for he is on my right hand, that I should not be moved. Therefore my heart did rejoice, and my tongue was glad. Moreover also my flesh shall rest in hope, because thou wilt not leave my soul in hell, neither wilt thou suffer thy holy one to see corruption. Thou hast made me to know the ways of life. Thou shalt make me full of joy, with thy countenance. Men and brethren, let me freely speak unto you of the patriarch David, that he is both dead and buried in his sepulchre is with us unto this day. Therefore, being a prophet and knowing that God had sworn with an oath to him that of the fruit of his loins, according to the flesh, he would raise up Christ to sit on his throne. He, seeing this before, spake of the resurrection of Christ, that his soul was not left in hell. Neither did his flesh see corruption. This Jesus hath God raised up whereof we are all witnesses, therefore being by the right hand of God exalted and having received of the Father the promise of the Holy Ghost, he hath shed forth this, which ye now see and hear. You know why Jesus said, into thy hands I commend my spirit? Because he was done. He was finished. He, everything he had to do to, to pay for our sins, he did, and he gives up the ghost. His spirit goes to the Father, and you know what? God didn't let him down, did he? God did not leave his soul in hell. And the Bible says God raised him up from the dead. Why? Because God, it was not possible he should be a holding of it. God loosed him from it. God freed him from that. God loosed him from the pains of death. This is why I don't understand how someone could say that I don't think he suffered when he was there. Well, then what were the pains that he was loose from. See, this is why it, you know, it's so tragic when a lost person dies. The world looks at them and thinks their suffering's over, but you and I know their suffering is just beginning. And it's, it, it's a tragic thing. And they would love to be loose from it, but folks, they can't. They can't. They're trapped. They're stuck. And understand, when Jesus was in hell, he was there just like any other person that's lost, but God didn't leave him there. God raised him from the dead, and he is now, in fact, alive forevermore. Thank God for that. This is what was prophesied in Jonah 2.6. It says, I went down to the bottoms of the mountain. The earth with her bars was about me forever, yet hast thou brought up my life from corruption, O Lord my God, when my soul fainted within me, I remember the Lord, and my prayer came unto thee into thy holy temple. Folks, Jonah did not go all the way down below the mountains. You can't physically survive that. Okay, Jonah got swallowed by a whale, and he prayed out of the fish's belly. He was literally in the belly of that fish. But this is a prophetic chapter about Jesus Christ, who Jesus Christ, as Jonah was three days and three nights in the whale's belly, Jesus was three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. 
And you know what I believe Jesus, one of the things Jesus did when he was in hell is I believe he prayed to the Father. And just like God heard the prayer of Jonah and had the whale vomit him out on dry land, you know what? God heard Jesus Christ and God raised him up from the dead and the tomb vomited him out, you could say. You see, you see those similarities there. And so folks, when people are trying to say that, you know, we're taken away from the cross, they don't understand. The reason the cross is such a big deal is because the cross is what killed him. It's bad to be dead. We, none of us want it. We don't want to die. It's bad to be killed. And the cross was the means of death. It was because the wages of sin is death. And everything that went on that cross, everything that they did to him on that cross was taking the life from him. And you and I know we will do whatever we have to do to hang on to the life that we have. It's just a natural thing. And especially now, and, and for, even for us as Christians, you know, obviously if something happened to me right now, you know, I'm fighting for dear life. But, you know, I hope and my my desire is that when it's my time to go, you know, I'm going to be old and ready to go. Okay, I don't want to go yet. I'm just going to say it right now. I don't want to die just yet. Okay, we just had another baby. You know, I need to give her away uh, one, you know, one of these days. There, there's a lot of things I want to see. I want to see grandkids. There's a lot of things. I still want to do some things for the Lord. But you know what? I, look, I, I love the thought of laying on my deathbed and having my, if, if I still have my brain, and knowing that in just a matter of days or even hours, I will be with the Lord. I what a wonderful thought that would be. And, you know, when that time comes, you know, I hope I've lived a long, full life and that, you know, my family will be good with seeing me go because they know, hey, you know, the time's up. He's had a good, happy life. And to just lay there, you know, at that point, I'm, you know, I just think it'd be an awesome thing to just know. I'd be like anxious for my life to go at that point. You know, I'm ready to go be with the Lord. I'm ready to be done suffering but, you know, I can't even imagine knowing what it would be like to die knowing I was going to hell. And, you know, not many people ever really experience that because you realize most people who are about to die, they don't believe in hell. They don't believe in Jesus Christ. Or even if they do believe in hell, they don't think they're going there. Most people, if they actually believed they were going to hell, they would just get saved. So imagine Jesus Christ hanging on that cross, not only just suffering the way he was, but knowing what was coming next. You know what? That makes the cross that much greater, what he did. The fact that he was obedient to that, and it was because, and, and you got to understand too, the cross is also everything because this, it's, this, it's what we've done in our flesh that uh, when we stand before God, we're going to be judged according to the things done in our body. It's this flesh that is sinful. What's been born of God, it doesn't sin. It's what's in this flesh that's sinful. In Jesus Christ, he had to pay for sins in the flesh. And he did. Don't get, listen, he paid for sins on the cross. We should tell people he paid for our sins on the cross. Jesus died on the cross as payment for our sins. If we make the focus all about what happened while he was dead for three days, you know, we're kind of, uh, we're kind of sending a bad message because at the at the end of the day, it's the sin that we do in our flesh that gets us in trouble with God. And Jesus paid for all that because Jesus never did sin. 
Jesus, he was holy, he was pure, he was undefiled, without sin, and yet he died, not because of his own sin, but because of our sin. And that's where, and so that's why the focus is on the cross. It's still about the cross. Jesus paid for my sins on the cross. He suffered and bore my sins on the cross, and he died on the cross. And his death on the cross was payment for my, for my sins, so I will never have to pay the wages of sin, which is death. And I don't think I don't think it's necessary to to talk about his suffering in hell when we give the gospel, because it was the work that he did on the cross that saves us. It's also the focus of the scriptures by far. But we need to understand, theologically speaking, that after Jesus died, he was in fact dead for three days. We we can't take that away. We can't explain that away. That's it's just a fact. It's it's what it is, and. You know, what it was like completely, I don't know. I don't need to know. And you know what? I'll never find out. And I'm thankful for that. I don't want to know. I I do know, though, that the Bible tells me a lot about the cross. And it showed me through the story of the crucifixion that what I clearly am incapable of doing in my body, Jesus Christ did it all for me so I can have eternal life. I, I can't. I just can't repent of all my sins. I can't stop sinning even for one day. I can't go one day without doing some kind of sin, having a sinful thought. I can't do it. But you know what? Jesus did it his entire life and even on the cross. And because of what he who knew no sin became sin for me, now I could be made the righteousness of God in him. I receive imputed righteousness. And the cross shows me that. The cross gives me hope. We will never take away from the cross. And those who say we do are just lying. It's, it's just, it's a lie. And sometimes people, too, that are even on the right side of things, maybe use some bad terminology and, and overemphasize some things and maybe send the wrong message. But I think, it, I, I want to be very clear what I believe about this. And that is, I do believe that Jesus, when he died on the cross, he died the death of a sinner. And he was dead for three days, just like any other sinner. But when he died on that cross, I do believe it was finished. But he commended his spirit in the hands of God. And then after that, it was no longer in his hands. He was done. It was in the hands of the Father. And the Father came through and did not leave his soul in hell, did not suffer his Holy One to see corruption, and he loosed him from the pains of death. Jesus Christ is alive, and he will be alive forevermore. He will never have to do this again. And because of that, we we have eternal life. Praise the Lord for that. Let's pray. Dear Lord, thank you so much for your word. I thank you, Lord, so much for the cross, Lord. There is uh, there is nothing greater, Lord. That is everything, dear God. And I pray you'll help us to never forget that, Lord. Uh, I, I pray you'll help us to never just get this attitude because we're fundamental Baptists and we do a few good things and don't do a few bad things that because of that we somehow have eternal life, Lord. We know that everything that we have is because of what you did for us on that cross. Help us never to forget that. Help us to always praise you and thank you for it and be good examples. In your name we pray.